Sharon. Thank you very much. Can you give it up for Sharon? Thank you for all your work. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Exodus, we'll start to get into the Word. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a while. In fact, it's been so long that I forgot to put the actual passages in my notes. I count it a tremendous privilege to be able to do what I'm doing and to bring the Word of God to you and in our, in our lives. As you know, the word of God is, well, God said he he exalts his word above his name. So the fact that we have the Bible in such abundance and that we understand that truth, that the scriptures are alive and powerful, sharpen any two-edged sword, they're able to divide between the thoughts and intents of our. What God's word is for us is food, inspiration, direction, correction, instruction, and righteousness. I mean, we have it all right here in this book. And I hope that if nothing you take away this morning, if you haven't been in your, your Bible and haven't been reading it, I, I want to exhort you again, as I do often, you need the Bible in your life, and I need the Bible in my life. So when we get together on Sundays, if you're new here, we are simply going through the Bible. We did Genesis, we go to the New Testament, now we're in Exodus, and this book has a lot for us as we go through it. So my prayer is, through this, just what I'm going to share this morning, my prayer is that we would begin to um, sort of reappreciate what God has given us in his word. And Exodus is full of types and, and applications like crazy. So I'm praying the Lord help me to be able to minister it as best as I can, but for us to receive it as God's word to us in helping us to live out this thing called Christianity. Would you say amen to that? So we're going to be in Exodus, but I want to get a running start into the book. So would you stand with your Bibles? We're going to start in Genesis chapter 50, verse 22. I'm going to read through chapter 1, verse 12. And then we'll, we'll sort of glean a little bit from both chapters 1 and 2, not only this week, but then next week as well. So in Genesis 50, 22, so because I forgot to put it in my notes, now I need my glasses. Okay, there it is. See, I can put it in big font here, yeah. In fact, this is a large print Bible. <laughs> okay, Genesis 50, 22. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Maker, the, children, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you, bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now the book of Exodus. Now those are the, now, these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, 
All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. I ask, Lord, that you take and break fresh the things that I've prepared. Feed us, Lord, we're hungry. We want to know you. We want to grow in our knowledge of you. But more than our knowledge, we want to grow, Lord, in obeying, serving, and appreciating who you are, what you've done, and what you, Lord, who you are to us individually and personally. I'm asking, Lord, these things that or in the book of Exodus, would come alive for us in our walks with you. I pray, Lord, we pray, if there's anyone here in these studies that today or at some other who does not know you, that by your Holy Spirit, through the word of God, you would convict them and draw them to yourself that they might know the love of God that passes knowledge. They might know how much you love them. They might know what you've accomplished for them. They'd receive you as their Savior They'd, through repentance and confession of sin. And realizing that, Lord, just like in the book of Exodus, you came to redeem your people through the sacrifice of your son on the cross. And we bow, Lord, we bow before you. You are worthy. There's none like you in all the earth. Please, bless these studies in, in Exodus, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. So the book of Exodus, this is a quote. Uh, from OverviewBible.com. The book of Exodus is the story of God rescuing the children of Israel from Egypt and forging a special relationship with them. The book gets its name from the nation of Israel's mass emigration from Egypt, but that's only the first part of the story. This book follows Israel out of Egypt into the desert where the nation is specifically aligned with God, unquote. Are you aligned with God? That is a daily alignment that's needed. And we have in the book of Exodus, we have the pictures given to us of what that looks like as God's people following him through the gospel. So we're going to be looking at these things as we go through the book of Exodus. Now, somebody after first service searched the web and found a picture of me, actually, when I was alive then. And <laughs> I said, Wow. This is, this is like wonderful. <laughs> now, some of you who are old enough actually know what Moses, is look, what Moses looks like. You also know what Pharaoh looks like. What was that guy's name? Yul Brenner. Charlton Heston. He was Moses? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I'm going to, this morning, I'm going to just lay out a few thoughts that I have as we enter this book because I think 
on the heart of God is that we would appreciate, like we haven't before, not only the book of Exodus, but what God has given to us in history to understand what he accomplished for us in our salvation through a lamb slain for us. The deliverance from the bondage of sin, the emptiness of the world, and all fear of an enemy. That's what God's done for us. And I, I believe, this this morning, I just want to set a little bit of a tone from, I believe, the Lord's heart to me and to us, that we have an incredible God. Incredible. Beyond anything we could conceive in our own minds even. But reality is that God has redeemed us. He's redeemed us. Purchased us. When we were so undeserving. So the key verses, sections in, in the book of Exodus, how I've outlined it from these verses. The first section is in Exodus chapter 6, key verses, uh, 6 and 7, where he said, Therefore say, God to Moses, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. I will, uh, then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. The second set, and I'll, I'll put it into an outline form in a moment. The second is in Exodus chapter 19. This begins what I'm calling the third section of the outline of the book. It's, he says there, And Moses went up to God, Mount Sinai, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. You, sh you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. So now they've been delivered, redeemed, if you will. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to where? Myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. The outline looks like this. Exodus 1 through 12. I will take you as my people. Now, let me say something right off the bat. You did not deserve that. Nobody did. He took us in our sin-riddenness, out of a world darkened and blackened in rebellion and said, I'm going to make you mine. I'm going to stamp you. You're mine. I redeemed you. I purchased you. First of all, I created you, and then I purchased you. Secondly, Exodus 13 through 18, I will be your God. Make that personal. This morning, God is saying to you, I will be your God. The second section, beginning in chapter 19, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. There is an if. It's the if of relationship. I will be your God. You shall be my people. Now, let's talk about the relationship. If you will, be, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now, this covenant, I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes, but I'm going to do it anyway. This covenant came after their deliverance. Application. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in the gospel. 
once we are saved, once we're delivered, once we experience this relationship being formed, then the covenant that God gave to us is to teach us how to have a relationship with God, what that means. And in that, understand this, in that God has provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's God who has saved us. It's God who's redeemed us. It's God who took care of the penalty of sin. It's God who will help us overcome the power of sin. And it's my God who will take me into eternity from the very presence of sin. God did it. He did it for for Israel. He promised it to Abraham. And he did what he said he would do. May I say to you this morning, he is going to do the things that he promised to do for you. We've got to look to him. Exodus is going to help us to look at life in the wilderness, which is what happened right after they got saved. So when we get saved, I'm getting way ahead of myself in my notes, so forgive me if I repeat things like five times. When we were saved and delivered, life actually gets a little harder. We don't just cloud nine, the harp, have you do the harp? <laughs> you see, there is a life to be lived with God in this world. And in that relationship with God, we learn about his greatness and glory. We learn about his love. We learn about his forgiveness. We learn about, here it is, repentance. We learn about the need for a priesthood. We learn about the need for a place to meet God where our sins can be forgiven. We learn the holiness of God. We begin to understand God in relationship. If, do you want to understand this relationship? Do you want to grow in this relationship? Then Exodus is giving us these types and pictures and shadows that we can apply to real life things. And God did that in real time and in real history that we might learn. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he desires to understand these things. And sin ruined that relationship. And thus God, through the Bible and through thousands of years, was just communicating again and again and again, I will take you as my people. I will be your God. If you obey and keep my voice, last part, chapters 25 through 40, you shall be to me. Notice, you shall be to me. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I mean, I think we've got some great things to consider as we go through. I'm praying, Lord, just help me to be able to hear what you're saying and communicate. And, Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying and then live it out and understand these things. And I think you're going to find it, in fact, I know you will, hopeful. Hopeful. And so in the first, ver- first uh, word of Exodus, it says now, that word should be and. That's why I read it. In other words, this is a continuation. You can't take Exodus and pull it out and look at You go, well, what in the world happened? Or what's going to happen? The Bible is a book of completeness from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to be finishing up Revelation on Wednesday nights. We're in, we went through Genesis, now we're in Exodus. These books are tied together, and you know what ties them together? God. He's the common denominator in all of this. The God who has said these things. And so the continuation is marked also by contrast. You have in Genesis the history of a family. You have in Exodus the history of a nation. In Genesis there are few in number, 70. In Exodus, 
millions, millions. In Genesis, the Hebrew was honored. They were honored. In Exodus, they are feared and hated. My, how things can change. Here's, here's the central in our hearts. In Genesis, there is a lamb promised. In Exodus, there's a lamb provided. Take a lamb. Take the lamb. Take your lamb. Genesis chapter 22, that lamb was promised to, Gen- to Abraham when he offered up Isaac in a stunning revelation, prophetic, of what Jesus would accomplish on the cross. And then in Genesis, Israel entered Egypt. In Exodus, they exit uh, Egypt. Again, the theme is redemption. No direct, but applicationally, applicational pictures. It's strikingly illustrated our redemption through types and symbols of a coming Messiah, though no directly, not directly mentioned. There are these symbols of redemption throughout the, throughout the book of Exodus, and that redemption pictures what God did through Jesus Christ for you and for me. Egypt symbolizes the world, the cruel bondage that it becomes, tyrannical dominion of sin over its captives, a world system that opposes God. How many would, you, would say that's been pictured very well, right, in our common day? How this world is in opposition to the things of God. Everything has a message. Everything has an application for us that I'm asking us to be able to, to take and apply. We also have in Exodus this man called, this leader called Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is a picture of the God of this world. He demands worship. He defies God. He defies everything that God stands for. He, de- he is an enemy of God's people. In the end, here it is, in the end, he is overthrown by God. Satan is not an opposite of God. He's a created being of God. God allows him for his purposes. You have a deliverer raised up by God. Moses is the deliverer, prophet, priest, king, servant, shepherd, and mediator. Jesus is our deliverer, our prophet, our priest, our king. He's the servant, shepherd, mediator. It points to that great deliverer of Jesus Christ that God promised would be in a type Moses, but will be Christ in fulfillment. (laughs) Interesting, Moses was rejected the first time, received the second. Remember, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. That's a promise of God. They leave Egypt under Moses, which means saved from the world, from sin, from bondage, from the emptiness of it, the, the hardness of it. The Passover lamb is slain, and Jesus, our Passover lamb. It's the deliverance from the yoke of bondage. It's crossing the Red Sea. Now, in crossing the Red Sea, that pictures our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. So it's not you cross the Red Sea, and now you're in heaven. How many would say, yeah, that's true? (laughs) You get saved, and now I'm in heaven. Uh, No, that's not what I'm experiencing. A lot of times you get saved, and you go, I thought this was going to be easier than this. You see, now we're crossing and we're swimming upstream. We're, we're, we're walking contrary to the world in which we live. We're working contrary to the enemy who wants to destroy our lives. And so we find there are things that I need to learn about how is it that I walk out my faith in Christ. And it's fantastic. 
you haven't read Romans, read Romans, read the Bible. You begin to realize that God has given to us very clearly this covenant in which he's explained this is what is needed if you're going to make it. It begins, my friends, at the cross. That's where it started. That's where it remains. And then God begins to get, how do you walk in the flesh and not fulfill the lust? How do you walk in the spirit? I know how to walk in the flesh. That's easy. How do you walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh? How do you overcome the enemy? What are these things? And in the book of Exodus, you have amazing pictures. You have the man of the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. You have the rock, the water coming out of the rock. That's the Holy Spirit coming out. And I'll wait on that. I just want to get ahead to talk about all these things. You have Amalek. Now, you read Amalek, you're going, oh, what is that? Because God prepared Israel to destroy Amalek, to judge Amalek. And my friends, as believers, Amalek is a picture of the flesh. And the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another, so you don't do So how do I walk in the spirit? How do I overcome? Now, I know we all have those questions because we all have those failures. How does that work? What do we do? Exodus is going to give us pictures. It's a type of the church delivered from bondage, led on a pilgrimage journey, safe, listen, safe with God. Through their wandering years, he never gave up on them. Oh, there were consequences for sure. But God did for his people whom he delivered, whom he redeemed, he did for them exactly what he promised he would. He brought them into the promised land. He brought them into his, the inheritance. He brought them into that place where they understood that they have this relationship with God that has an inheritance for which God prepared his people. Amazing. Then he gave them the law in, in Exodus 18 through 24. This is God's holy covenant. And that law has its own purpose that comes into play when we understand what Jesus did on the cross in fulfilling the law. And giving us his Holy Spirit. And then you have the tabernacle. The tabernacle is God's presence, gracious presence in the center of the nation. That they can meet with God. That there's a, the intermediate of the priesthood for them by God, given by God. That there's that holy place. And then there's the Holy of Holies. And in that tabernacle, there was no entrance into the Holy of Holies at that point because the Lamb, Jesus, had not come. But there's a picture, and the picture says we can't go into that holy, holy place until the Messiah comes. But up to that point, God gave them this tabernacle and then the temple to remind them again and again and again, you need a sacrifice. You need a lamb. You need a Savior. And God did that through thousands of years. Put it right there. Gave us his word. And the place where his people could find forgiveness is at the cross. The place where people find, we find fellowship, it's at the cross. It's where God provided for us and through his resurrection. Now, I want to hit something here that I've hit a million, well, not a million, but a lot. And I want to remind us again this morning. The author of the book of Exodus is Moses. Now, I grow weary of the progressive acceptance of calling into question God's word. I hope you are understanding that what God said can be understood. You don't need a degree. You just need a desire to read it and try and understand it. And who wrote the book of Exodus? 
(laughs) Moses did. And if Jesus said it, that's good enough for me. But all through, you have in Exodus 17, the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book. Exodus 24, write the words of the Lord. Exodus 34, the Lord said, write these words. Numbers, these are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journey at the command of the Lord. God said, write it. Moses said, I'm yours. And I, again, I know I'm, I'm, I've said this many times, but I will continue to say it. Why? Because I need to say that to myself. There are things I don't understand. For sure. But what I know is that God's word is inspired, inerrant, and given to us to read, understand, apply, and not question good, but not questioning these things. So Romans, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of what? The scriptures might have what? Hope. Now may the God of hope, Romans, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is given to us to give us hope. How many of you need hope today? You bet you we do. We're living in a crazy world. We're living in a God for, a God opposite, however the word is, opposing world. God is the God of hope. The story of our redemption is a fantastic story of hope. That we are not hopeless and we are not without a God who loves us and he loves us and he wants to give to us hope. And we need hope. We always need hope. We will always need hope. And God is the God of hope. We begin the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is taken, overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He's the God of hope. He is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. So when you're tempted and you give in to temptation, what happened? That's more than I was able. No, the Bible says that's not, no. But he's going to give you a way of escape. We've got to learn the ways of escape. <laughs> is what I'm, looking, what I'm sharing. We have been given through, by God, in our redemption, power to live this life in obedience to God. One of the searching things that we will go through as we're looking at this book of Exodus is what do I need to repent of? What do I need to do about that? And God's not saying, no, no, once you get that right, I'll help you out. He's saying, I'm your God. I took you as my people. I'll be your God. Would you learn of me? Jesus said, come, you were labor, heavy laden. I will give you peace. I will instruct you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, through fellowship, through reading the scriptures, he takes our lives and he begins to be, show us his faithfulness, instructing us in how to overcome these things in our lives. Proverbs, my son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Get used to it. (laughs) It's a little crass, but 
Get used to it. We, we are in a, we're in a fallen condition. God redeemed us, and now he's doing a work to deliver us from the power of sin in this life. Fantastic. To keep you. God wants to keep us. Well, let me, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, which things happen at Iconium. And Paul just goes to pour his heart out to the people that he loved, who loved God, called by God, redeemed by God, and saying, don't lose hope. Build into your lives these things, this purpose, faith, long-suffering, what persecution he endured. And Paul, and, and Paul said, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now what I find, and pout of them all. I'm good at pouting. God said, no, I'm, I've come to deliver you. I've come to give you freedom. Yes, all who desire to live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here's when God prepares a people. The scene is being set for God's great deliverance of his people. They're found flourishing in Egypt. Exodus 1. These are the names of the children of Israel. They went from 70 people to 2 million people. They're flourishing in Egypt. All, all of God's people are found in Egypt, which is a type of the world in the, in the Bible. There's not one person who can say differently, and neither is there for us. None of us were God's people until the cross. They were fruitful and multiplying. Verse, verse 7, the land was filled with them, but life in Egypt began to turn sour. Egypt was no longer a blessing for them. There arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Things have changed. When the time came, this is Acts 7, 7 but when the time came of the prom, when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, uh, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king, it's of a different kind, literally, in the language, so it may not even have been an Egyptian. Arose who did not know Joseph. And he said to his, verse 9, and he said to his people, Look, the people of children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python. And Ramesses, the only problem is it backfired on him. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Take to heart, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Life is tough, but it's through those difficulties that we experience the most growth and the greatest depth. That's what happens. God is faithful. God is working in your life. If you're hurting this morning, if you're discouraged this morning, if you're wondering this morning, may I say to you, God hasn't forgotten you. He's wanting to take and make your life something 
by which you can experience his depth of love for you like you would have never imagined. He causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Do you believe that this morning? I hope as we go through Exodus, the Holy Spirit will be encouraging you that God is on the throne. That God hung on a cross to die in a tomb, to raise again the third day, to ascend into heaven, and he's on the throne. This matter was economic, national security. Look, the people of the children of Israel are more mighty than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also joined the enemies. Therefore set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh these cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter and heart with hard bondage in mortar, in brick, in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. May I say to you, it's when we're afflicted that we are strengthened the most. That's a fact of physical exercise. <laughs> you don't like that one, do you? But many times in prosperity, there comes pollution. There comes corruption. In prosperity, many times there comes distance by things that get in the way of our intimacy with God. And so it backfires for the believer. So the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So they made them serve with rigor, made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick. See, the world promises the things it cannot deliver. And the world promises freedom, but really what the world is going to give to us is bondage. The things of this world grow strangely dim when you begin to know God. I'm 68, right? I will tell you, that is true. Things begin to take on a greater and greater emptiness. When you know that your life is not found in them. God created you. He created me for relationship, not things. He blesses us with these things to enhance and deepen relationship. And all the things you might gather, first of all, you can't take them with you. But secondly, <laughs> you don't need them. You need God. I need God. And you get into situations where you realize this is so beyond me. Then you realize nothing is beyond God. Nothing. The cruel bondage of 400 years or a moment. It's no challenge when your relationship with God. 
fantastic. When afflicted, we grow. Our relationship with God deepens. We begin to know him like we would have never known him. And so God allows that in our lives to draw us to himself. But it's not God saying, okay, now let's see how you do. He's saying, come to me, all you who labor. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. And when you know God in that way, and when the intimacy grows, and over the years you begin to realize there are some things that matter nothing. There are other things that matter much, but the one that matters most is God. In my life, real. And so you go through really difficult things. And you blew it here and blew it there and make major mistakes. And then God shows up and you turn to him and you realize he was the answer the whole time. And he's the answer for you, my brother, my sister. I don't know what you're going through. But I'm saying to you this morning, just as a preamble, if you will, to this book. You follow the life and the nation Israel and you realize it was not easy. It was not easy at all. And they had lots of problems. But in the book of of Exodus, as we're going to go through it, you'll see God's provision all the way along. His protection all the way along. His power all the way along. He never forsook them, though they wandered from him all over the place. And let me say to you, my brother and sister in the Lord, you may wander, you may rebel, you may be all these things, but God's not the one exiting. You have come back to God. Come back to God. And just show up and say, here I am. You will find there's not a momentary lapse of God going, well, I don't know about that. Look to the cross. God said, I'll receive you because I provided for you because I love you. Love you. And the story in the book of Exodus is the story of redemption. The story in the book of the Bible is redemption. He is our redeemer. He's redeemed us from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. He's he's saved us. Are you a part of that group? I hope that you are. If you're not, this morning I'm going to say to you, you can become one of God's people. Just turn to him. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He wants you to come to him and find that place of forgiveness and salvation and assurance and hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? Believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We go back to him and come back to him. And this book of Exodus has lots of problems, (laughs) lots of problems. But God was there and walked them through it. And the world that holds out these pleasures is emptiness and a dead end. So here's what he was doing. He was preparing them for their inheritance. (laughs) It's incredible. And we have been given an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. Why? Because you believe God. You trusted God. You allowed him to take charge of your life and to walk you through these things. He prepared them also not for their inheritance, but he prepared, was preparing them as his instruments. Now, that's fantastic in my mind. 
that God would actually want to take my life and use it for eternal things. His instruments to judge the Amorites for the children of Israel, but his instruments to overcome the enemy of God, the enemy of the world, the enemy of our flesh, to use our lives to help others and see them also overcome. I'll tell you, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm saying as far as the joy that my children walk in truth. And the heartache when my children are not walking in the truth. We get that. We understand. At a glimpse of the heart of God for, for us. Now, it's also to prepare them for the incarnation. That God became a man. Wow. Is that incredible or what? He became a man and died on a cross for the sins of the world, for your sin and for my sin. And if God had not done those things, we would be, of all people, most miserable. We would be without inheritance, without this understanding of God and his love for me in the incarnation. <laughs> it's amazing as we find in Exodus that the instruments that God used only a few in this room were all instruments of God to take our lives and use us for his purposes. In this, you get God using God-fearing midwives for his purposes. Someone said that, he, well, he used a crying baby to capture the heart of a midwife. Someone said, they thought an angel came and pinched Moses when he was in that basket. And he cried, and that's what got the attention. God uses, he prepared certain people to fulfill his plan of redemption. He used a godly family. He used an ungodly heathen king's daughter to accomplish his purpose. For what? For you. Not what, who? For you, for me. Down through all the ages, God's playing out this picture that he loves you. That he wants to redeem you from every, from, as part of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. But here's the thing. He used, listen, he used a mighty man of the world and changed his life so that he might be used for his purposes. We're gonna look, I want to go into that, but I'm not going to. The life of Moses. 43, 40-year 40 segments of his life where God took that man from thinking he's somebody to understanding he's nobody, and to make him somebody. That's, the, that's what we're going to be getting here. So what happens? He strikes down the Egyptian. Looks this way and that way, then kills the Egyptian. Let's pick it up. The two Hebrew men were fighting, verse 13 of chapter 2. He said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? So here Moses, he's got it. Okay, I, I, I get it. He, he understood. So he kills him. And then it says, so Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. Now Moses is his adopted son. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. This is where God what God's doing. He supposed, Acts chapter 7, 
He supposed that the people would understand and know. But they didn't. And so, this was this a great mistake on Moses' part? Now, at the time, you might say, yeah, what are you doing? You're heir to the throne of Egypt. What are you doing? Well, he had in his mind and understood something that God showed him. And so, was this a great mistake that ruined the final 80 years of Moses' life? Don't you believe it? And may I say to you, it's the same for us as God's people. We may think we've blown it. We may think we've made the ultimate mistake. I want to say turn and look again at the cross. Where God provided for your sin. He looked this way and that way. And some would say he failed to look up. And I understand that yes, maybe that's something we need to take to heart. But what we need to remember, and I believe the book of Exodus is paramount in describing this. Oh, we may look this way and that way and not look up, but listen, God's looking down. God sees our lives. He sees what we're doing. He knows us intimately. He knows every thought, every jot, everything. He knows them all. He's looking down, and he wants to give us an inheritance in his love for us. He wants to use it as his instruments to bring the news that this God we know is incredible. He's a saving God. And he would continue to use our lives for his purposes. So we're going to pick up those, this story next week. Next week, yeah. And I think we must, and we are, just, we are wise to give our minds and hearts to the spirit of God's instruction as given to us in the book of Exodus. These types. God is wanting to do a work in your heart, in your life. He proclaimed that at the cross. He wants to save you from the penalty of sin through the incarnation. He's wanting to provide everything that you need to walk with him and know him and love him. Our hope is not in this life, but we are being prepared in this life for a kingdom. And God is for us, not against us. I want to end this study if you would stand, I want to do a, do a responsive reading. And I'm going to do several of these directly related to Moses. He's mentioned. So I want to, if I can have the worship team come out. Uh, I want to read the first and odd verses. If you would read the second and even verses through Psalm 103, 22 verses. And then we're going, to, we're going to close with a song and I'll come up and uh, we'll close the service. So here we go. You ready? Thank you. <laughs> we sang this song, uh, parts of this song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who 
who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He made his ways, known as ways to Moses, acts to the children of Israel. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. <laughs> but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Can we do 21 and 22 together? Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of him who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul.